right. Just a note uh, as far as our annual business meeting goes. Uh, Pastor Gabe sends his regrets. He was supposed to be here uh, this morning just to answer any questions. Um, and uh, if you have any questions about our annual business meeting and things like that. So in lieu of that, um, if you have any questions that I can answer, I'd love to participate in helping you. If you have any questions about looking through our, our annual uh, business report that was uh, sent out um, by email or the paper copies at the back. If you have any questions, you can ask me. And if they're too tough for me to answer, which may happen really quickly, but if they are too quick for, too hard for me to answer, Gabe has given us his personal number. No, I'm joking, he didn't. He gave us his work number, which he said he will answer today if you do have questions prior to the meeting that you wanted to, to ask. It is 834-6585, which is just our church number, and his extension is 702. 702, if you call that, 613-834-6585, extension 702. He'll pick up, answer all your questions about annual business meeting, where do babies come from, anything like that. Because that was his job, to answer any questions that you have. So feel free. (laughs) All right, let's put that away before he starts messaging me, what am I doing? All right. Because he's probably watching our live stream just to hear what I had to say. All right. <laughs> and I'm sure as well, uh, many of you may know or may not know uh, that, that Joanne is a member of our pastoral council. She is a representative for us here on our campus. So I'm sure there may be a, uh, an ability for her to speak to a, a question or two. But I don't want to necessarily put her on the spot. But she is a part of our, our pastoral council that leads us as a church. So... She does have insight into some of the things that we do talk about and uh, our, our, the, the business of, of who we are as church. All right, so let's dive into our message. We're in a new series. We just finished our Resilient Disciples, which is overlooking the, the big arc of what we're going to be talking about all year long, and now we're going to break it down into smaller bite-sized chunks for us to, to handle um, going through for the, each, each week. And so we're going to start with trusting Scripture. What is the Bible? And I believe in some way that we're all like, like the Apostle Paul or the disciples Peter or John or Nathaniel, that we all have a moment where we have a revelation of Jesus. Because each one of those people had Jesus come to them and say, come and follow me. And I believe each one of us has that same revelation where Jesus shows up to us in some way, in some form, and says, come and follow me. That call to follow, it happens in different ways. It happens in different shapes and in different stages of life, at different levels of knowledge about God, about Christianity and about the Bible. Some people have known about all those things, and then they finally meet Jesus. And some people have never heard of any of this sort of stuff, but they hear that Jesus loves them and it so captures them that they want to know more. Each one of us holds a unique call. Each one of us has unique purposes and perspectives that we live out. And the truth of the Bible is what binds us together in Christ and what keeps us from going going all willy-nilly and crazy and doing our own thing, interpreting the Bible the way that we see life, right? And that's, that's kind of what holds us all together or, or leads our faith to, to be all on the same page. 
or at least it should. Maybe like me, you grew up singing a song that goes like this, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Did you guys know the song? I'll read and pray and then... You didn't sing the song when you were a kid? I sang this. Oh, there we go. Somebody knows it. You'll read and pray and then obey the B-I-B-L-E. Bible. In the simplicity of a child's song, though, we find something that many struggle with today. Read, pray, obey the Bible. What we believe about the Bible matters. And beliefs, they're not like thoughts that just come out of nowhere. They're not random. Beliefs, they are never orphans. They come from something. And our beliefs shift potentially over time from one thing to another. Remember, I said I grew up with that song, right? I also attended VBS in my neighborhood. Many of you know what VBS is, Vacation Bible School. Most of the time when I attended those, I was attending them with church kids that were unchurched. I, mean, they were, I was not going to my church, the church I grew up in for the VBS. I was often going to the Catholic church around the corner that has having a VBS. And uh, it was great to go there and do their little crafts and, and have their little moments. But that was my childhood. Right? There was a church tie to faith. There was a church tie to, to God that almost everybody in culture was affected by. But that's not true today. Today, 72% of Canadians do not believe the Bible to be God's word. That means culturally, their beliefs have shifted over time to something else. Maybe it's a pragmatism or a syncretism or mysticism or a secularism. Whatever the ism is, the people have shifted. And the underlying reality of this is that their shift has been more of an elevation of self over God. That's what's happened over time. People believed in God or knew there was a God and that somehow he was in control to more than ever, we believe that we are the controllers of our destiny. So this is a seismic shift for our culture in Canada. But there's an even greater shift that I think is more worrying for me. And it's this, that to navigate life, daily life, only 21% of Christians in Canada even reflect on the Bible a few times a week. So let's reverse that statistic to help it sink in. Regarding issues of our everyday life in real time, Eight out of 10 Christians, 80% of Christians in Canada have something other than God's word guiding them, guiding them in what they believe and how they behave. If you're trying to figure out life in tough cultural moments, you're trying to wrestle through marital situations or your children and their behavior or work issues, tough questions that people come up with, crisis moments, life-defining decisions, 80% turn to natural wisdom or worse, to guide their lives. God's word plays virtually no part. And don't even try telling me that. People have read it and now they know what to do. 
I've read it multiple times, and I'm still left trying to figure out exactly how to follow it well. And this is the exact reverse of what followers of Jesus are to do. We are to follow the voice of God. God's voice will always sound the same as Scripture. I know I'm scratching here. In Romans 12, too, it says this, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The behaviors and customs change us from the outside to the inside. See, when we follow the patterns of the world, the culture around us, those outside currents become the current of our heart. But God works to change us, to change how we think from the inside to the outside. That what he deposits in us is that culture provider for us, our steady guide through life with our spouses, our children, our bosses, our money, our future. And so we have a culture that doesn't believe in the Bible, doesn't believe that God's word is God's word. 80% of Christians, when it comes to how they live their lives, don't reflect on God's word. The way the world is these days should be no surprise to anyone. Relationships that have a basis of trust in Scripture, have both foundations and authority. How do we know that Scripture is true? How can we trust it? What are the foundations of a relationship with the Bible? And who has authority in this relationship with the Bible? Where does that authority lie? Who gets to say what we are to do and aren't to do, how we are to live our lives? Maybe you're asking this question. What does this church believe about the Bible? What does Life Center believe about these two testaments, the old and the new? 66 books in total, 1,189 chapters, making up 31,202 verses. What do we believe about the Bible? Well, this statement is what we believe about the Bible. As followers of Jesus, we believe the Bible, both the Old and New Testaments, is the written revelation of God's character and saving purposes for humanity and for all creation. As God's revelation, the entire Bible is true and trustworthy and is the final and absolute authority for belief and conduct. The Holy Spirit who inspired the Bible enables its interpretation and application. Now, I know there's a lot in that statement but did you hear what's at the center of it? Following Jesus is a lifelong pursuit of learning to trust scriptures. And as we have a revelation of the living word, Jesus, the Holy Spirit enables us to read and apply the Bible. Because the Bible isn't a magic book that you just pick up and immediately start following Jesus. Many have read the Bible and don't follow Jesus at all. When we meet Jesus, though, and then pick up the Bible. Boy, does it ever come to life, doesn't it? Take, for instance, who wouldn't want to believe that God is love, right? That's one of the things the Bible says. 
Jesus, in fact, said that this entire, this sums up the entire Old Testament, the law and the prophets, right? By saying, love God, love people. For Jesus, the Bible is knowing that we are loved by God and that we love God and that it shows that we love God by how we treat other people, by loving others. For Jesus to say this, he drew on the Bible's truthfulness, its authority, and the ability to transform our lives. And yet many want to follow Jesus without the baggage of holding on to everything else that the Bible has to say and how it says it. If following Jesus means that we grow to accept what Jesus taught as both accurate and truthful, but our belief in Jesus is separated from that Bible, we must honestly say that we are no longer following Christ, no matter what we call ourselves. Did you hear me? And I know that's a tough one. We like Jesus, but then we disregard the Bible. How can we say that we are following him if we like him, but then we disregard the very word he said that he came to fulfill? He said he didn't come to destroy it, get rid of it, but to fulfill it. Our goal is discovering what it means for Jesus to be our foundation. And many are pursuing this. Others, they're wrestling with what the Bible says about faith, forgiveness, finances, sexuality, politics, or idols. Some trust Jesus as a foundation for faith, but are not sure he should have the final say in other areas of life. Maybe Jesus is great for religion, but not for other areas that religion shouldn't speak to, as if faith in Christ can be compartmentalized. In those cases, he isn't the authority in the relationship at all. So when it comes to trusting scriptures, here's a couple things that we don't believe. We don't believe that every time the Bible is quoted, it's done so accurately. We don't believe that. And we don't believe that each time the Bible is used, it's done in a God-honoring fashion. Because it's been used to hurt different ethnicities. It's been used to hurt women. It's been hurt, used to hurt children. It's been hurt, used to hurt classes of people. It's been used to get rich off people. It's been used to offer healing and prosperity, wealth in abusive ways. Even the devil knows how to take scripture and use it out of context. Never accurately and never in a God-honoring fashion. Always to deceive and to destroy and not to bring life. None of which reveal what the scripture is really about. Scripture is about revelation. It's about revealing God to humanity. Mary Wiley said this. She said, God has revealed to himself to us in two key ways. Through Jesus, the word made flesh, and we see that in John 1.4, and through his written word. Through scripture, we learn about God's character and his actions from the past, the present, and the future, and the consistency of God through all of those. It also reveals what we are to be about, God and how we should live we said earlier our relationship with Scripture is foundational, that the Bible is foundational. And by this, I mean, fa- this is what I mean about foundational. The impartation of true and sound wisdom from God to humanity. 
the impartation of true and sound wisdom from God to humanity. Now, we use the word impartation uh, intentionally there. It speaks of being told or given or granted something, something be, being imparted and given to us. See, the Bible is true and sound wisdom, and it's told or given or granted for us to understand. But what exactly are we given wisdom and insight to? Is it the secrets of success, marriage, and health? The answer is this. It's simple. The answer is God. We are given wisdom and truth about God. Knowing God is the basis of all other wisdom. Before the Bible can speak to you about your situation or our world, the story of Scripture first starts with who God is and us understanding him. Even from his very first verse where it says, in the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth. It's all about him. This foundational impartation of truth and sound wisdom for life starts with learning who God is and whether, uh, it, whether God is trustworthy. Before the Bible uh, is a set of beliefs and creeds for us, before it sets those standards, it is his inspired recording of God's revelation about himself. That's what it is. It's God interacting with humanity and then people recording his interaction with humanity so all of us can understand who God is and how we relate to him. Remember what I said about Romans 12 too, how each of us approaches life from one of two postures, either copying the world outside us or tr letting God transform us from the inside out. Because some people change what they believe because of the pressures of culture. Culture puts pressures on us to change how we think about certain things, and we do. We go with those currents. While other people change because they believe what the Bible says and the conviction of Scripture. Each person here needs to answer the question is, do we know which is shaping our beliefs? One of the things which makes trusting the Bible messy is trying to live it out perfectly or to see how to live it out just right. There's only one human who's ever been able to do so to live a congruent life with God and Scripture and have it perfectly line up. Fortunately, we know him, Jesus. And he said in John 14, 9, he said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And if we remember the Bible, we've talked about it and just said that the Bible is the revelation of God, who we see through Jesus and also through Scripture. And if you wish to get the most vivid and clear picture of the whole Bible, of what it means and how to follow God, how to be in relationship with it, look to Jesus. He was, is, and will be the fulfillment of all that is written. People are often the ones who make life messy regarding the Bible. Those of us who claim to be followers of Christ or speak about God we often don't reflect his character much at all. And this makes it hard to trust God. But that makes it, the Bible, even all the more important, not less important. Because sometimes we fail, but God's word never fails.
Gandhi was even quoted as saying, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians because your Christians are so unlike your Christ. It's a harsh statement to make about followers of Jesus. But when we don't follow Jesus or look like him in how we follow him, maybe there's some truth there that we need to repent from. We need to realize that the Bible isn't a story about us. It's not a toolbox. God is not a tool or a trick or a gimmick to a better life. There's no way just to apply him to our lives to live better. We're going to fall short when we do so because there's nothing about God that can be summarized and put into 10 steps to a better life. The only way to understand God is to be fully submitted to him, to allow the authority of God to match the foundation that we have in him. The Bible is not a story about us. And when we treat it that way, it gets messy. It gets bad messy. As Christians, we're often asked our beliefs about authority and money, divorce, sexuality, politics, and science. And all of these are very important questions because they deeply impact people's real lives. But the foundational question is first, is what do you believe about God? From that viewpoint, what, 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 do you, what do you understand about God? How do you view God? Because that becomes the basis of reality for us. If somebody's asking us a question about uh, the world and, 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 and faith or, or marriage and sexuality or politics and all those things, how they view God should help us understand who we're talking to in that moment. If they view God similarly to the way you view God, then you can talk about those things in a way that makes sense. You can talk about it in truth. But if somebody's coming from a much different perspective and they don't view God as the ultimate authority and they don't view his word as the ultimate authority, then anything you have to say about your view about reality is going to be a tough talk because they haven't accepted the authority and foundation that you're speaking from. Augustine, an early church father, said this, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. And it's true. What you believe about God, how you perceive him, your relationship with him is the most important thing about you. It's, in fact, the only thing that will have eternal consequences for you. What you believe about God defines your foundation, and sets your authority. And God wrote a book to tell you all about him and how in him you can learn to live in this world. Now, going back to the ideas of God being love, God is love, which means then we should love him if he is love. And we should love him like he loves. So the question is then, what is it then for us to love God? First John 5, 3 answers that for us, right? He said, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. The sobering question again, though, is as Christians, how are we going to accomplish this? 
if eight out of ten of us don't treat this book the way one the way the one whose name we bear treated it. If we are Christians, if we're little Christs, as we are nicknamed as followers of Jesus, if we don't treat the book the same way he did, then how are we going to love God the way he loves us? It's a sobering question, but one that has an easy answer. Dive into the Bible. Let it be your authority in life. Trust Scripture, the truth of Scripture, and its application for your life. Even if that application seems hard to live out. Because sometimes when we follow the paths and the currents of the culture around us, it's become easy to live in the world around us and not look different, act different, sound different, live different. But the call isn't to look the same, act the same, talk the same. The goal is to look like Jesus. The goal is to have a foundation in God and his authority over our lives. Because that lasts forever. So this week, as we close, this week, if you don't already, read your Bible. See God revealed in Scripture. Let God transform you from the inside out. And there's a way we can do this as we look through Scripture. And I've, I've got five things that you can use. There's different methods, but this is just one way that maybe you can start reading Scripture. Work through the passages that you read with these questions. What does this say or imply about who God is? Take a section of Scripture, not a verse at a time, but read a little bit more than just one thing. Read a whole chapter and then say, what does that chapter say about who God is? And then, how does that impact me today? If this says blank about God, how does that impact me today? How do I need to apply this to my life? And an important question to that is, what are the steps I need to take? Because it's one thing to know how to apply or what you need to do to apply. It's another thing to take those actual steps. And the fifth one that I think is just as important as the other four, offer thanksgiving for the revelation of God that Scripture brought and the truth that you've received. Because when you have those revelations for how to live and what God looks like, that is amazing. That is a miracle. Because us finite, broken, frail human beings with limited intelligence and, and ability to understand the greater cosmos, us little human beings, God, the creator of everything, the creator of the universe, the one who holds it all together, has made himself known to you, has revealed himself to you in a way that you can understand. If that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. If that's not something to be thankful for, I don't know what is. That God, the creator of the universe, says, I want to know you. I want you to know me, and I'm going to show you who I am and help you to walk in step with me. That's a beautiful thing. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for who you are. 
And God, I just pray that if there's anyone here today that has not yet had a revelation of who you are, Jesus, maybe today is their moment where they're feeling stirred by you, Jesus, and their eyes have been opened in a new way to understand and see that you are real and that you are a revelation of, of God. And so, God, I just pray that today, if there's anyone here that needs to receive you for the first time, God, I pray that this is their moment. They would step into it and receive you as their personal Lord and Savior. They would recognize you as God of their life, the one who forgives all the brokenness inside of us, who restores us and gives us life. God, I pray that they would walk and step into that relationship with you. And God, for those of us who have been neglecting your word, who have been trying to follow you without following your word, God, we repent of that. We repent of neglecting your word, your truth, your revelation of who you are. That we've tried to live our lives with our own wisdom, the wisdom of the world. And you, you said so clearly that your ways are not our ways. God, may we learn your ways as best we can. May we dive into your word and understand it as best as possible. May we rely on the community around us in order to grow in our learning and understanding of your word. And may we fall in love with it as it reveals who you are, so we can love you as you love us and keep your commitments to love you and to love others. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Pastor Ingrid. Yeah.